This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The international break is over. The EFL is back and it's a trip to our old friends from last season as Ipswich head to Hillsborough to face Sheffield Wednesday. Welcome to the Blue Monday preview show. Welcome, everybody, to the preview show. It is me, Benjamin Bloom. Don't tune out now because Richard's not here. I'm standing in for Rich, who's on holiday in Sussex or something, um, taking a very undeserved few days off, given um, he works 24-7 on our our podcast. I'm missing him terribly. And we've been missing the football uh, terribly, haven't we, Seb? How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, we were discussing in the green room. It feels like a long time since that Cardiff game for me. I mean, you know, a couple of England games in there. I watched them both. But yeah, I'm not half glad that it's back. It feels like a very long two weeks. And well, we're about to be overrun, aren't we, with two, three game weeks back to back. And yeah, here we go. This is where the season really sort of kicks into life. So very glad it's back and a very big game to talk about. Looking forward to it, Seb. So we're here on the pre-match show. You can join us each and every Thursday live at 8pm. If you are here and in the chat, do hit the thumbs up button. Helps us greatly. Give your opinion in the chat. We'll click up as many of them on the screen as possible. We'll do some Q&A later. Apologies if, no, if I don't read your comment out. There's so many comes in. We really do appreciate them. So do keep them coming. This preview show is in partnership with our friends at the Greyhound. And you can find certain members of the Blue Monday team in certain states of undress in the Greyhound each and every Saturday, Seb. And um, I was there uh, for the Leeds game and very much enjoyed it, actually. I will be back for the Blackburn game. So do come and see us pre-game in one of the pods in the corner or something and say hello, especially if you are a pod listener. Seb, talk to me about the ITFC Fans Forum. Go. (laughs) It was what you'd come to expect from these kind of things. You know, I watched the whole thing and there are some exciting projects in the works, it sounds like. And 
there's the usual kind of questions which we'll kind of avoid, I guess, tonight, and the usual ones which maybe they, should they be kept. Want in, to hear about Seb. <laughs> maybe should be kept in other kind of delivery methods and stuff. But it is what it is, you know. Uh, Ashton is so polished. Luke Warren is very polished. I thought McKenna was on great form last night. He was making jibes about Tom Ball, the CFO, making jibes. Had he, he was, had a bit of a loosener beforehand, do you reckon? I, I think he must have done. Yeah, he's calling him <laughs> Tom Ball's uncle. And when he was asking about any ideas to beat Southampton, he's leaning into to, to Tom Ball and saying, I, I know you don't tell me to play Dom again. You say it all the time and stuff. So I just thought it was nice to see that maybe other other kind of sides him a little bit more natural and a bit loose away from the, the pressures and, and, and cameras on a match day. So great to see. Yet again, it sounds like we've got some really exciting projects coming up with the the training ground is the next thing they're going to do and they're going to make it into some incredible you know thing to take us forward with the club's vision in, 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 in sync with the the ownership group, what they want to do. And I guess the big news to come out of it was the the, the new contracts till 2027, I think, for Per, Charlie Turnbull, uh, Rennie Gilmartin and Lee Grant, which is, you know, again, I think Ashton described it as a superpower last night he was saying he was you know when, when clubs are looking to send us send us loans and transfer dealings people love stability and it's a a huge feather in our cap now to have the the backroom team on the same length of contract as the manager promote stability in a well we'll talk about Sheffield Wednesday in a minute uh, in a league of some some chaos sometimes so how do you think that works then so McKenna signed the contract pre-season which um if we're led to believe he has the bargaining position he has. You would imagine he would have first refusal to take those staff with him in the event a clause and a compensation was matched. You would assume that um, that would be the key part of that contract now in terms of compensations um, and safety. But you're right; they now come as a come as a package. Yeah. Is that how you see it? It's how things tend to go, isn't it? You know, a manager leaves and the first thing they do is go back to where they've worked most recently and and pinch half of the coaching staff is what Paul Cook couldn't do, obviously, with Liam Richardson, much to his uh, his kind of demise, you know. So it's it, it's just, it guarantees us, doesn't it? If, 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 if a club wants to come in and poach McKenna, we've now got that little bit more security. It might make things a little bit more difficult. In reality, if a big club wants him, they're going to come and get him regardless because the, the fees they'll pay to release those guys is going to be pennies probably compared to the budgets of the club he's going to move to but it adds a little bit more security for us and I love the way that McKenna is so you know he celebrates that backroom team and he gives them so much praise and says they're crucial in the day-to-day working and it's right that they're you know rewarded for the hard work they've put in. Seb Brown do you want to talk about tickets or do you (laughs) want to wait until somebody asks you about it in the um, Q&A later on? We can wait until the Q&A, but I think the best <laughs> thing to do is to wait for the flagship show oh, and put it, in, okay. put it in the Q&A then for whoever's on the flagship show. Can I just no, get my it, disclaimer it, in? I'm hosting the flagship show and I will be asking that question and not answering it, Sam. <laughs> just keep it for the Q&A. If, you, if people want to get in the Q&A and put it in there, absolutely fine. And you can have your views on anything that was said in the forum and on tickets and we might even read some of them out. Um, internationals, Seb, um, do you want to do you want to bang through this Morsi Pagger, um, Slicker Scarlet, Broadhead, Burns? Your thoughts? Yeah, so Morsi got a few minutes, didn't he? he? Won his ninth cap with a late appearance. I think they lost three one to Tunisia, but he's, he's he played in the last two games, albeit with a grand total of about five minutes. But great for him to be back involved. Elkan Baggett won his second under twenty three Indonesia cap. Obviously, he's played for the the full side. This was his under twenty three Indonesian side, and they've qualified for the Indonesia Cup, which I presume is the same time as the other. One. I, I don't know when it's going to be. Uh, they beat Turkmenistan. And he's qualified. Kieran Slicker and Dane Scarlett both won under twenty one caps. Nathan Broadhead was an unused sub as Wales won in Latvia two 0 
And Wes Burns, as we know, obviously got sent back with this hamstring. Well, the, it was a bit scary, wasn't it? The manager kind of came out and said he, he's, he's tweaked it and then, oh no, he's pulled his hamstring so he's gone back and we all got very worried. But sounds today like he's had a scan. It's all good. It was simply a precautionary measure and he's uh, he's good to go with a, a training session tomorrow, hopefully. So great to see some of the guys get minutes. Morsey especially because, you know, he's, he's worked so hard. He seemed to make every provisional squad for about two or three years and never made the final cut, the poor guy. So I know he only got five minutes, but, but great for him. And a bit like McKenna said last night, you know, having six, seven, eight, international players away during a break is a sign of where the club is now and it's a, a situation we're going to have to get used to as we kind of bring in higher caliber players and move up the leagues amen um itfc women home game on sunday at the agl against bottom of the table london bees london bees have lost all four games so far conceded 15 so that's looking promising uh, the ladies bounced back to winning ways last week with a late winner from natasha thomas which popped up on my um twitter feed quite the um finish from natasha um, away at MK Dons and will be looking to continue their decent start to the season, which is currently third before Sunday's game. Let's get into it then, Seb. Sheffield Wednesday, who we know only too well from last season. A couple of 2-2 um, two, two draws. Um, but just paint the picture because um, you could not... I mean, look, you can pause time at various points between basically them beating Plymouth... Um, back in February and looking like champions elect and a lot of interesting stuff has gone on and even um, after winning at Wembley um, just absolute carnage there isn't it it is yeah so obviously go back to rewind six months last February they're champions elect we know what happened at the Portman Road game obviously two nil up Dave's sliding doors moment yeah. maybe for the season Michael Smith goes through heavy touch can't finish broadhead free kick finishes to all and at that point I think most of us were kind of consigned to probably finishing in third and you know keeping an eye on who's in sixth for the playoffs and fretting about Gareth Ainsworth taking Wickham to sixth and bullying us <laughs> oh, across two legs yeah. in a playoff semi. And yeah, they were they were up. I think there was an interview with Darren Moore and a local journalist said, would you take second now? And he went, no. And yeah, they were they were done. They were winning everything 1-0. Amazing clean sheet record. And it just all went very, very wrong, didn't it? I was like, they would never have expected us to go on that run we went on. The run was absolutely incredible. There was the shock sky televised defeat to, to Forest Green. They lost to Barnsley as well. And they have this run, don't they, in March and April where they only win one out of eight games. They completely drop out of it at that point. And momentum is just insane. And they just simply can't catch us back. And I guess, you know, there was a lot of banter going around between the two sets of fans with Owls Talk and TWTD. But I personally wanted them to win the playoffs because, you know, the, the three sides were going into the, the final day, all of the chance of, what, 99, 100 points. And that, that was the standard for the division. They were, they were excellent for most of the division. And I think they deserve to go up. They have this first leg playoff semi-final where, you know, it's over for them. It's game over. It's done. Peterborough at Wembley. We saw what happened in the second leg. So the fan base go to, you know. Imagine having if you, for that game and not going, hey? <laughs> is that what you did? Yeah. Amazing. You thought game over, presumably, at that full time in the first I did leg. think game over, but there was, a, well, not fortunately, but fortunately for my ego, there was a family issue um, at, the, right. at the same time, which made me decide, okay, let's not the not the right thing to be away. But yes, um, I didn't see the greatest comeback in playoff history, no. <laughs> but they, but the, we, we, we've done it in 2000. The playoffs is the way it's the way to go up, isn't it? You know, it's brilliant. So they kind of miss out on automatic, automatic promotion, lose to Peterborough in the first leg. They're on the floor. They have the amazing comeback. They win at Wembley in the 
123rd minute, was it, with Josh Windass scoring against Barnsley. They rode their luck a bit in that game. And they must have been on an absolute high. You know, you've just had the, you've had an incredibly exciting season. You've had incredibly exciting quality because you've finished on 96 points, whatever it was. You've overcome the biggest first leg deficit in playoff history to win it. You've then won against your rivals, not the, the main rivals, but against your rivals at Wembley. And going into the summer, they must have been on an absolute high. And then three weeks after the playoff final, it all starts to unravel a little bit. Obviously, we, we get the the shock news that Darren Moore has left the club and that kind of, you know, came out of came out of nowhere. I don't I don't remember any whisperings or any kind of discontent. I was walking the dog and yeah. I know I know the bit where I've got no signal and I, I get into the signal bit. I flip my phone open. And do you know when you read a tweet and you actually check it's not from a fake account? Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. what? Yeah. And I think was that was that your reaction to what are they doing? Yeah, and uh, yeah, shock because it was three weeks later. So I'm thinking, well, surely if you want to make a change, because there were whisperings and murmurings to when they were going for that bad run of form that maybe they might, you know, look to do something in the in the March April time. And there were all those jokes, weren't they, saying, "Can you fire a manager before the second leg of a playoff semi final, etc." And I kind of thought, well, if they if this was if, they, if this is what was going to happen, why wouldn't you do it the week after the playoff final? Why would you allow somebody to presumably make decisions on retained and released players and plan preseason friendlies and plan transfer strategy and targets and then get rid of them two weeks before preseason or a week before preseason is due to start. But that is the world of the ownership, you know, Mr. Mr. Chanziri, who we'll discuss. And then he comes out 10 days after more leaves with this, this statement on the website where he's, you know, saying more asked for four times his money and he wants three year contracts for him and his backroom staff. And he was unwilling to negotiate. So we did a, mutual consent thing and I kind of thought okay it doesn't really sound like Darren Moore and Chanziri's got a bit of history with stuff in the past but we kind of thought fair enough he's, he's done what he's done Isco Munez rocks up a few days later there's that really great great weird. guy great guy by the yeah, way yeah yeah there's that that really strange unveiling at a press conference where Chanziri is sat there just ranting about Carlton Palmer and his views on the Darren Moore wait, situation wait, and write, write that down he's there ranting about Carlton but it's just ridiculous isn't it when you even say yeah. it yeah, and you're kind of feeling sorry for, for for Munez, who's kind of sitting there and trying to get it back onto football. The, 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 adult, the adult in the room, yeah. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> trying to kind of bring it back to what is meant to be his unveiling and his, his discussion for the future of the team. Then Chanziri does the weird thing with the, the pricing, which was discussed last oh, night at the forum. Right. You know, our guys are paying 39 quid to go there on, on Saturday. And I think if you go to one of the top category games for, for Wednesday in, this year, it's 59 quid if you're in the in South. The top, Island, isn't it? Yeah, in yeah. the top tier, um, in the middle, in the in the lovely seats. Um, yeah, it's, Mental. It's, too, it's too much, isn't it? Way too much. It's crazy. And then 23rd of August, Darren Moore does a statement and says, it wasn't money. We, uh, we split out because of, uh, because of footballing and vision differences. And then I thought that was the end of it. And I was preparing the script yesterday. And about 2 p.m., Mr. Chanziri does another statement about Darren Moore, where he's revealing specific figures and bonuses that he'd asked for in his, in his contract renewal. And yeah, in- incredibly strange situation. I always look at the social media of the other clubs and the forums before I do these kind of researches. And the most, the biggest meme I've seen today, do you know that Michael Scott meme from The Office where he's kind of going like that? <laughs> yeah. I've seen it everywhere with the hashtag Sheffield Wednesday. And I think that just sums up the last kind of what two months for them three months for them it's just an incredibly incredibly strange situation and that hasn't helped with their poor league start and it's they've literally gone from being on top of the world winning the playoff final after the best comeback ever after a really really strong exciting season to being absolute bottom of the barrel i feel sorry for their fans honestly i really do we we know what it's like to 
I mean, the complete opposite in terms of a owner that we were suspicious of in not one that's there front and centre, sacking people, um, getting points deductions, selling his stadium and then putting it in the wrong year of accounts. <laughs> um, he'd gone quiet for a couple of couple of years, though, and seemingly he'd got a guy, Darren Moore, very much like Marcus Evans and Mick McCarthy, got a guy who was very good in front of the press. Whatever you say, if people can reasonably criticise Darren Moore's management. I'll accept that. But nobody can criticise his ability as a statesman to manage a big club playing below where they've historically been with a um, problematic chairman and a big intensity. He, he did that absolutely beautifully. Whatever you think of his football, I'm, I'll take they might have been a bit lucky in the playoff final. I'll take it was a bit um, robust rather than inspiring in terms of, you know, the football. But yeah, their fans, their fans don't deserve that. And just when you think... Well, okay, this is a bit unedifying. It's gone now. The new manager's new manager's in there and let's move on and try and win some games. By the way, we'll talk about lost four and just got the first point. And then it's just unnecessary statement, yeah. wasn't it? Just not needed at all. It's 107 days since him and Moore kind of went went their separate ways and it, exactly. it comes out now. And what I thought was strange was he said in his statement, you know, I've waited until the international break so that it doesn't take any emphasis off the off the club. And it's like, well, the international break's been on for 10 or 11 days at this point and you've chosen to release this statement 72 hours before it all kicks off again. So The day, the day yeah. before your manager's going to do a presser for his next game, yeah? Yeah, incredibly, <laughs> incredibly strange individual. I mean, he's been there now since, what, 2000 and. 15 was it i think he took over and he got them close didn't he i mean you'll know better than i do they had a couple of seasons in the playoffs and got to the playoff final so he kind of almost delivered but then you know year three ffp all kicks in and it all goes horribly horribly wrong doesn't it obviously you're you're in a better position than me to discuss what they were like those couple of years in the championship well this is the but this is the folly of the crazy division that we're in seb if he beats hull in the playoff final in 2016 None of this happens. All of this goes He's away. That That is the thing with that playoff final. And we've seen Sheffield Wednesday and Derby um, are the poster boys for getting to the playoff final having gambled. Obviously, if you're Brentford and you get to the playoff final, you come back the next year because you're bloody well run and you, you win it. But yeah, just win that one game. And let's be honest, that was Chancery against um, uh, the Alarm family. So neither very popular owners... There, but no, he bet the farm, didn't he, on Gary Hooper and Jordan Rhodes and ridiculous wages, and then FFP bit, and here they were, and here we are now this season. What do you think of um, Cisco then, the manager? Yeah, I think he comes across well. I think he's been sold a really, you know, a really difficult deal. You know, known for his best for his time, obviously at Watford. Finished second, I think, didn't he, with Watford a few years ago to get them up to yes. the yeah. Premier League. About ten months, I think he had there. He left a few games into the Premier League season. I think they were fourteenth. They were they were quite comfortable, you know, mid table. But Watford, being Watford, kind of did what they did what they do. He, he he's got a really difficult gig. I was watching the pre match presser today, and you know, all he will want to do is coach his players set them up on a weekend and talk about football. And he's getting questions about Chanziri and other issues that might have nothing whatsoever to do with him. And I, I just felt really, really sorry for him. What, what, what's your recollection of his Watford side when he, when he finished second that year? I think it was 20, I think it was behind closed door season, wasn't it? 2020, 2021. So I'm guessing yeah. you couldn't have seen them live, but, but what I should, did, what should, I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, I did a press box thing and I've done a press conference with him as well. So I'm fairly, fairly familiar. Um, so, 
this is where I I can give two possibilities and you can you can decide. So they had Vladimir Ivic, yeah. and he was very unpopular. And they had a let's just say personality heavy dressing room. Troy Deeney, Ben Foster, um, Andre Gray, uh, Tom Cleverley, blah, blah, blah. Big names, big personalities. So some people argue that it just needed somebody that wasn't Vladimir Ivic um, and who was a good people person. And I remember distinctly, he set him up 4-4-2 like Ivic was doing. Didn't massively work. He went 4-3-3, put Saar further forward and Semmer on one side. He had better players and it was... COVID, the, the COVID years were the ones where the parachute teams really just seemed to, no one could no one could get close to them at all. And so you could argue on the one hand, he did a very good job managing the hand he was dealt and met the brief. On the other hand, it does smell a bit like Avram Grant at Chelsea, where was it Drogba, Lampard, Lampard Terry, Terry, and Czech, Essien. yeah, and Essien yeah, yeah. managing managing the um the pitch, especially without crowds. But look, that could be completely unfair of me to say, and I'll find out whether I'm going to be wrong this season with how well he does at Sheffield Wednesday. But part of me thinks, and look, we had this with a string of managers, didn't we? With Paul Jewell and uh, Mick McCarthy and Roy Keane and Paul Cook, that promotions on you know, having a promotion on your CV as the silver bullet, you know, in terms of getting a job doesn't doesn't mean a lot sometimes, does it? No, I think it's what owners used to look for, isn't it? But football's moved on now. You know, we saw Keane replaced by Jewel, replaced by Mick, all of whom had, you know, promotion CVs in the not too distant future. But football moves on. And now we're kind of in this world of young, talented, kind of, you know, educated coaches, aren't we? And I like Munez. I think he comes across well in his, his, his presses and attacking high pressing football. Would that would you describe that with his Watford side? Is that fair or is that? That's what that's what was mentioned amongst the, the Wednesday forums. They kind of said, you know, we, we were expecting this high pressing attacking kind of intent, and maybe with the squad he's got, which we'll come on to with their their age and stuff, he's gonna find that difficult to do. Is that a fair interpretation of his playing style? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't see it like that from um from when I when I saw Watford, but um I know he did he did he go and work in Greece? Something, yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. far flung in in Europe in between. So I didn't see it that way. I, I could be wrong, um, of course, but um, very, very solid defensively. He had um, yep. True Stekong and Sierra Alta with two kind of big humping centre-backs, but he had Saar and Jao Pedro and yeah. the, the like. Um, and they would, they would, I don't know. I, I always find it hard to judge in situations like that, coming halfway through a... So, look, uh, it's not not an easy gig coming halfway through a season, and basically, if you get promoted, you've done a good job, and anything else is a is a bad job. But yeah, that was that was kind of my um, perception of it. Um, so he's done all five games here. Um, what's your take so far? And I'll I'll bring some of the stuff up on the screen. Well, I think that the last time out against Leeds was crucial for them, wasn't it? Obviously, they played five, lost the first four on the bounce, and then before they, uh, before the international break, the weekend after we faced Leeds, it was a is it a coupon buster fair? Everyone in the world expected yeah. Leeds with that, you know, that front four. Sinistera moved on deadline day, but that front four that was crazy of he did. took us, <laughs> tore us, yeah, tore us to pieces. Everyone kind of expected that to be a bit of a walk in the park for them, but they 
they changed things around formation wise. They kind of went more defensive, more disciplined, and they ground out a point. And I guess that completely flips things for them going into the international break with these two weeks when Munoz can really look to work on things and really look to kind of, you know, get his his points across. A few of the players, I think they had six or seven away in international duty. So some have still been away from the club, but I think he'll have used these two weeks to really kind of build the the positives from that that draw with Leeds. The losses before that were against Southampton, Hull, Preston, and Cardiff, but that nil-nil at Leeds, you know. Know, unadventurous. I've got a, a Sheffield Wednesday guy that we, we, we do a bit of work for and I had a chat with him and he described it as unadventurous and industrial, but you know, effective and just what they needed to stop this rot and give everybody a slight bit of a lift going into the, the, the two-week break. Yeah. It's difficult because you kind of look at it and you think Southampton opening day and you know, they still had James Ward Prowse playing for them yeah. and it's on the TV. Everyone watches that. Even the Premier League fans watch that game because they haven't seen any English football for um, you know a good couple of months. Fine, whatever you can you can lose that game, can't you? Yeah. But against Hull, they had the lead and they did not defend well, did they? Two fans scored a hat trick, didn't he? Then, um, and I know you can turn around and say, "Oh, Preston are top of the table," but that feels like confirmation bias. It's a it's a shutout at home and you're losing one nil in your own your own stadium lost in the last minute to Cardiff yeah. as well. So I would echo your point that they they really, really needed um, something. But I don't know. I would hope if I was a Wednesday fan that you're not now going to set up every points of prisoner. Um, you know, there's a, there's, there's a long, long 41 games to go, isn't there, to... So that's a lot of draws to get to 45 points, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if they were that unadventurous against us on the on on, on on the weekend. He started with a 4-2-3-1. He went sort of 4-4-2 at Hull and it just didn't work and they got battered. And it went back to what we knew from last season. You know, the three at the back with the wing backs and Ellen Road, your wing backs are actually going to sit deeper than perhaps the the kind of a, a home game or an away game against a lesser side. So it was a tactical change that did it and brought back some familiarity do you go back to what you know if you're struggling in your first few games of the season we'll discuss their transfer business in a minute but it's basically a lot of the same team and the same squad that we knew so well battling week in week out for the last kind of nine months of last season they played a back three for pretty much that entire season Barry Bannon gets a free roll do you just go back to what you know in an attempt to stumble across something change something and break a bit of a rot before an international break I think that's what they did and it'll be interesting to see if they keep that against us at the weekend his, his press conference today he was saying about four three three again, but you know, given the the personnel they've got and the fact they were able to grind out that result, surely they'll stick with the, the back three against us and try and keep it more solid. If they'll, they'll surely they'll have to be a bit more adventurous than they were against Leeds, because I don't think the locals would stand for that. If if we scored early and they're set up very negatively and struggled to get back into the game, the atmosphere at, at Hillsborough would, would would change pretty quickly, wouldn't it? By the way, the back end of the three game week after they've played us. They've got Middlesbrough and Swansea who are with them, the other two sides in the in the bottom three. So this is a huge, huge week. And um, I, I don't know, it sounds ridiculous to say because before the season, you're talking about a game against Middlesbrough and a game against us. You'd, you'd, you don't um, sit in against us and attack Middlesbrough. You sit in against Middlesbrough and attack us, don't you? But uh, I don't know. That's the, the, the context of where it is now. Um, I don't know, Seb. I I don't know whether he'll whether he'll stick or whether he'll twist. It's hard in a in a three game week, isn't it? You've, yeah. You d- really don't want to lose that first game. That can that can t- and then you're you're a gambler 
betting to chase your losses for the for the next two games, especially if you've not had a win. So you're totally right. He's really up against it. And with my Ipswich Town fan hat on, that's tremendous because we all know what Kieran McKenna's going to do. And the whole the whole world and all the data team at Sheffield Wednesday know exactly what <laughs> Kieran McKenna's going to do. And the, the issue is... Um, how are they gonna how are they gonna approach playing against it? And to be fair, in terms of um, you know, what you know from last year, I know there's an argument that the first game is so, so long ago, and it almost feel doesn't feel like the Ipswich team that finished the season that gave up that two-goal lead at the start of the season. But their home game at Portman Road, they were they were more than a match. But yeah. as as you said in the um in the summings up, um, a lot of that toothpaste is out of the tube on on that team. That's this is not that team that came to Portland Road and got two 0 up, is it? No, they had some some people have arrived in the uh, in the summer. That I, I can't work out their transfer strategy at all. We can discuss it. You did a great video. Everyone go to Ben's channel and check out the video that he did a couple of days ago about this because I was watching before it before like Mr. You, I... Chan series. Um, love letter <laughs> before, to Darren Moore. Yeah, yeah, before the latest uh, the latest rant. But they they've kind of gone down this weird thing of of signing young players from Europe and France and Portugal as well as kind of you know young academy prospects at top clubs like, like Man United and they've and they've also gone and got a bit of experience in the building as well so I can't work out what they're trying to do they have to bring the age of the squad down last year they were the oldest squad in league one by by quite a way um, and this season is the same problem I think four out of the first five game weeks this season so far they have fielded the oldest squad still they've kind of got these younger players they've brought in in the summer the likes of Dejardi Gassama uh, Dijon Bernard's come in from Man United as a centre-back Anthony Masaba he's a tricky winger who's come in from uh, uh, from Monaco so they've kind of gone out there to try and bring players in to bring the average age down but they're still in a world where you've got, you know, Michael Smith was the main striker against Leeds. Barry Bannon is still in the central midfield positions. You know, if you go through the the spine of this team, or most of this team, it's it's still similar to last year. And the average age isn't coming down that much. That said, they've now had two weeks, obviously, with Munez on the training pitch. And we could see finally these exciting wingers they've bought in might look to get to get starts. He's been playing Lee Gregory, who we know as, you know, a, a poacher in the box who does his best work sort of between both posts. He's been playing playing kind of left midfield, left wing back occasionally, and he's, he hasn't got the pace to do it. So there's some there's some kind of murmurings of discontent amongst the uh, the Wednesday fans of players being out of position. Vasquez, I think the goalkeeper on loan from Milan, he looks like a he looks okay. Stockdale moved on in the summer. They had Cameron Dawson, didn't they? Was the goalie for kind of half of last season. He would dovetail with Stockdale. So they brought in this guy, Devis Vasquez from from Milan. Jeff Hendrick joined right at the end of the window. Played most of last season for QPR. I think he might have played all the games last year for QPR. So a solid kind of you know championship experienced midfielder. Uh, Reese James was made permanently, not the Chelsea one, obviously. Uh, he was made permanent after a loan spell there last season. That. And Juan Delgado's kind of coming a left fullback from the continent as well. So it's a bit of a mismatch. I mean, they were quite late starting their business. The first the first player joined on the 24th of July, which was about, you know, three, four weeks after pre-season has started, probably longer, probably five, six weeks after pre-season has started. So there's a bit of a catch up with the managerial and ownership situation, which has kind of led to late business. And yeah, it's kind of a scattergun approach of young talent from the continent, more championship experienced players, uh, who you kind of know and try and throw them all together and get something done. They've left one squad space free in their 25-man list. They've submitted a 24-man list as part of their EFL um, squad list, and they're looking to maybe bring in a striker on a 
on a free transfer. And they've got this weird situation where Marvin Johnson, the West Burns' best mate from the game back in uh, <laughs> back in February, uh, he's been left unregistered. He, he, he had a Derby de- a deadline day move to Derby fall through. So they're now in a situation where they've chosen not to register him. They're still paying him paying him full whack and he's not involved. So yeah, a lot of strange things going on with the squad. Um, and Munez just somehow has to try and make this work given the, the kind of cards he's been dealt. I believe as well, I don't know if anyone in the chat can look it up. I think the head of recruitment went out in June and I tried to look for the replacement who apparently isn't in the building yet, but they're working with him. So like Jim, like Jim Henry, the fitness coach Lamb under Lambert being on Zoom or whatever he was doing. Do you remember? Exactly like that. Yeah. So whoever said in the chat, um, throwing stuff at the wall, I mean, don't get me wrong. There could be an absolute gem in there. We, I'm not going to profess to know about the European youngsters. I know about the, I know Deshaun Bernard was at Hull and was all right. And Jeff McKenna will know know him when he's from Man United. He very much will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Uh, What do you think Darren Moore would have done if he still had the job in terms of pepping that, that team up? I, I assume he would have kept the majority of it, sort of similar built around yeah. Bannon and just try to add in, I don't know, three, four first teamers and, uh, you know, go with the flow, I guess. Yeah, I'd say you're exactly right. You know, coming off a 96-point season or whatever it was, I guess he would have just looked at the critical areas. Again, he probably would have tried to reduce the average age of the squad because it is high and he probably wants a bit more, maybe, you know, mobility and stuff up front to replace Michael Smith. But yeah, you're probably talking dripping, what, four or five players in? across the window, getting them in early, getting them in in time for your preseason to start rather than doing it two weeks before the, uh, before the season kicks off and just looking to upgrade. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they, what their plans were before all this summer upheaval for the season. You know, I mean, you've, you've heard rumors of Chanziri discussing a playoff kind of, you know, charge. And I, I presume most of them would have been happy with, with 21st and just, you know, scraping over the line and, and making sure they stay up while they do this transition from the older players to the, to the younger players. Whether or not that's all changed now with with Munez coming in, if Chanziri maybe has realised that his he kind of has to be a bit more realistic with where they're going to finish, I don't know. But it will be interesting to see what their how how much their plans have altered given the the crazy summer they've had. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, 
from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I often try and imagine what someone's like internal theme music is. So <laughs> like when I'm when I'm walking down the road, my 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 internal theme is pretty cool. I'm kind of like John Travolta in so what is Mr. Chan series? Do you think it's just like the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme tune? You know, <laughs> yeah. On, or, or, it's a, or, or it's a it's a pinball machine just going <laughs> ding, bang, ding, jumping from one thing to the other. You know, or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't oh know. dear, dear Cra- right. absolutely crazy. But maybe now, hopefully, this will be the last of his statements because, like you said, he'd gone quiet for a couple of uh, a couple of years. Maybe now with this statement, he'll put it all to bed. I, I assume Darren Moore won't reply to the latest statement. You, Why didn't you he? describe it yesterday as saying sometimes <laughs> just let the other person punch themselves out and yeah, yeah just yeah. just wait it out. Yeah, yeah. So especially if you're as classy a uh, communicator as Darren Moore is, and Darren Moore's now doing TV as well, and obviously putting himself back in the frame for a yeah. for a, presumably a top end League One job or maybe maybe a Championship job. Um, again, would you like to talk about us, Seb? <laughs> now we've um, exhausted uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Hopefully we've set up. But guys, hopefully we've kind of illustrated how this six to eight week advantage I keep talking about that um, a League One promoted team has. Plymouth are doing nicely, aren't they? Um, that you can completely torch if you <laughs> if you go into you know, chairman, owner-led meltdown um, during the summer. Seb, let me bring up our team that faced Cardiff, which was Fladke, Clark, Wolfenden, and Burgess, Davis, Luongo, Morsi, Burns, Chaplin, Broadhead, Hurst, who's got in some interesting narrative when it pertains to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, what is your take then... Um, on what you expect to see on Saturday compared to that? Well, it sounds encouraging in the pre-match presser from McKenna. You know, he's saying that Burns is likely to train tomorrow. Danassian's still out. We know that. Hurst has trained yesterday, today, and tomorrow, so we'll be involved at some stage. Whether or not you start him, I guess, is a risk, given he started against Cardiff and clearly felt something and had to had to come off. And there's also this debate I've seen online about sort of Luongo versus Jack Taylor pushing for his first start. Now, it is a three... Yeah, it is a three-season... It is a three-season. It's a three-game week, so we will see some rotation this week. Clacky for me, will start in goal. I think there's an argument to be made for Brandon Williams coming in at right back. You know, he was linking up with Hutchison for the for the third goal against Cardiff. We've brought him in from Man United. McKenna's going to know him, obviously. He's not come here to to sit on the bench. So I wouldn't be that surprised to see Williams get a start. Uh, Wolfenden and Burgess will be the, the back two. McKenna's come out, hasn't he, and said that Toan Zabi isn't going to be ready for a few weeks. He's kind of at the start of his preseason campaign. I'd go with Luongo. He'll be fired up for it against Sheffield Wednesday, obviously having been released by them, uh, what was it, 18 months ago now. So I would go Luongo. Luongo and Morsey in the middle. And then Burns, if Burns doesn't make it, then then for me, or if Hurst doesn't make it, get Jackson in the team. He tore them apart at, at Hillsborough last year. He played on the left that day. He scored pretty early on, obviously. He tore Dominic Iorfa to bits. He also got the assist when he forced the own goal off Iorfa. So if one of those two is, is is out, I would play Jackson. It just depends if you're going to play him wide right and have him running against um, 
uh, their their kind of left leftish wing back slash Lee Gregory, or if you're going to put him through the middle, if um, if 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 Hurst doesn't make it, if they're both out, put Freddie up front. He deserves it after his two goals. But I'd be I'd be crucial having Jackson in there personally, given his pace and how well he did against them last year. So let me get this right. If there, there's no Clark or Burns or Hurst, yep. your solution would be Williams, uh, Jackson, Ladapo. Yeah, let us know what you think in the chat. It should, um, it should all be fairly, um, hopefully, flowing. But uh, you know, we keep mentioning this three games um, with the first and last game seven days apart. Um, we're going to need the squad big style this week. Uh, does the um, international football um, does that raise any issues for you in terms of Broadhead and? Morsi, obviously Burns has got the got the knock. I don't think so. I mean, Burgess played, but he only played one game, didn't he? So he'll be okay. Uh, Broadhead was unused against Latvia. He played the first game against South Korea, was unused against Latvia. So he hasn't played since last weekend, so no issues there. Uh, Morsi only played about five minutes of football, and it's not a big time difference with Egypt, is it? So I've got no real issues around, around that one either. I expect them all to come back in. But I guess at some point in the not-too-distant future, we have to start having conversations about, you know, Twan's AB in for Burgess, Jack Taylor in for... Luongo and you know Brandon Williams in for for Jack Clark and obviously Christian Walton is back in training next week as well. So the Walton Clarky debate will be on the horizon at some point in the not too distant future as well. So they've poured water on the two Anzabi thing, and which I think is quite a smart tactic, isn't it? And yeah, well, it was, we're going to see him down the road, yeah. Yeah, but he, he he very clearly said he won't feature any of the upcoming league games. Obviously, we've got Wolves, haven't we, in midweek in the Carl in the uh, where is the Carabao Cup? So wouldn't be that surprised to see him maybe get 45 minutes there to kind of ease him into it. But McKenna, yeah, came out in today's press conference and said he's basically at the start of his, you know, his pre-season kind of brilliant. Thanks, FBL. He's basically at the start of his, uh, of his pre-season. <laughs> very, very helpful journey. analysis there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think we might see him get 45 minutes or so, maybe against Wolves in the Cup, but don't expect him to feature in the, in the league, maybe even until the, the next international break. So at that point, he'll have had, what, four weeks, six weeks of real kind of training, getting up to speed with how the team play. And once he gets in, I've, I've got a feeling he'll stick, if he can stay fit, he'll stick around because, you know, he could be one of the one of the best in the squad. I'm going to upset the chat, as I always do, Seb. Don't take this personally, anyone, but surely if you're playing at Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday and at Southampton on Tuesday and you're batching the busy week, Surely there's more. It's not a leap for me to say there's more chance of winning a game against Sheffield Wednesday than there is against Southampton. So I guess you go all out against Southampton uh, against <laughs> against Sheffield Wednesday and come in on Sunday and see where you are in terms of, you know, maybe there's going to be a, a a bit of to in and fro for the Southampton game. That's going to be how he approaches it, isn't he? I would think so logically, but it is the championship and it is football. And Southampton mm. have looked vulnerable. You know, they're conceding a lot of goals at the moment. So they they can be got at. But yeah, if you look at these three games on paper in the space of a week, so obviously Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, Southampton on Tuesday, and then Blackburn at Portman Road the following Saturday. Two away games, two, you know, Southampton's a, a bit of a trek to get to. I think logically you say, right, well, you know, Sheffield Wednesday and Blackburn at home, there's your kind of, you know, go for the six points and maybe make some changes for the midweek game and give the likes of Jack Taylor a bit of a run where you might want those extra kind of legs in central midfield against a possession heavy team maybe rather than give sort of drop drop Luongo out a little bit he'll be up for the the game at Hillsborough so I'd keep him in for that one and maybe look to bring Jack Taylor in against uh, against Southampton before maybe Longo coming back in against against Blackburn 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the whole um, gimmick against Southampton, as you say, who can be quite slow paced, can't they? Should be freshness, shouldn't it? Whether that's Hutchison starts, Taylor yeah. starts, um, and depending what you do with Hurst, and you just shake it up and you say, all right, lads, um, you're in the squad. Here you go. Here's away at a year one parachute team. Uh, show us what you've got and get us yeah. through this this difficult week. And then, um, again, you would look at, you know, even the comparison I just made, you would look at Blackburn at home. I mean, you tell me, Black Blackburn at home vs Sheffield Wednesday away, does the does the home advantage against Blackburn make that even the most the most winnable game of the whole week? I don't know. What do you think? I think so. I mean, on paper, you look at the you know fr- um, Saturday's fixture. They're twenty third in the league. We're second in the league. It should be very straightforward. And if if they hadn't got that point at Leeds, if we hadn't come off the back of international break, I would be more confident. I'm, I still think we'll win on the weekend, but I'd be more confident going into it than perhaps I am. I think you look at the Blackburn game, we've seen Port Monroe, what it's like these days, you know, 29, 30,000, it's rocking at the moment. I think you see that one as the kind of, you know, the, the, the one to really go out, set your stall out against an established championship side and really show what you can do. And that's the kind of sides we should be, you know, competing against because, you know, Wednesday have come up with us, Southampton are a parachute side. So like you said, it's almost a bit of a free hit because you go into their place. In reality, they should finish way above us given the budget differences doesn't always work that way fair enough but the likes of Blackburn are kind of you know an established championship side that will give us a good test they've been at this level for ages they've had a couple of good seasons in and around the playoffs and that's a really good chance for us to show what we can do in front of a full crowd at Portman Road so yeah I think the the Blackburn game I would find slightly easier than the the Sheffield Wednesday one. Do you get abuse on Twitter for saying the likes of Blackburn because you do if you say (laughs) teams like Blackburn that that really that really gets but even though you could you could have just said the nicest thing in the world followed by teams like or teams like Blackburn who play amazingly beautiful football and then you get loads <laughs> of loads of jip on um Twitter. Um amazing stuff. We'll go to the predictions and then we'll go to your questions. So get them all stocked up. But let's have a little bit of fun with this then, Steph. Right, you can host this bit, Seb. So much <laughs> so. I've I've flipped the pictures. Look at the production here on the Blue Monday on the Blue Monday podcast. Um right, uh do you want me to put the, the gimmick up? Yeah, go on, put the put the, this week's up. So you'll have to wait next week for the results. Rich is back next week. So we'll wait next week to see the revolts the results of last week. I don't actually know if I won or if he won. So that will stay in in the ether until next weekend. This is this weekend's round of fixtures. So these are my predictions, along with Jules, who very kindly from Telegram has submitted his predictions. And you're gonna do this in real time, aren't you? You're gonna <laughs> yeah. sort of take on the host uh, the host kind of mantle here and kind of predict it in real time. So it's not that an amazing weekend of fixtures. I didn't think when I was going through them, nothing really stood out too much to me. We've got Hull against Coventry and Southampton against Leicester, both on Friday night. I've gone for a one-all Hull Coventry. Jules has gone for a Hull victory and I've gone two-all Southampton Leicester and three. Jules has gone 3-2 for a Leicester victory. What do you think for the two Friday night games? Um, well, Hull are better than we thought they were going to be, aren't yeah. they? And Coventry it's are terrible. still gelling. So I don't think Hull are going to lose. So um, I might actually join you on the draw there, but because you've said 1-1, I guess I'll say 2-2. Two, two. Um, Southampton-Leicester, I don't want to fall into the, um, the oh, I can't pick between the two teams, so I'll go for a draw. So I'll go for a Saints win. I'll go 2-1 Saints. 
Okay. Blackburn versus Borough. So Borough haven't got going at all, have they? But they have just come off the back of the international break. So you'd like to think maybe Carrick will start to get them moving. I've gone for a 1-0 Blackburn victory. That said, Jules has gone for a 2-1 Blackburn. So we're both predicting one goal Blackburn victories. Yourself? Well, the logical thing to do here is to back Middlesbrough then, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and apparently Emmanuel Latte-Lap had loads of shots and didn't score. So he's going to score two goals in a 2-0 Borough win. And if you put a pound on that and win... I am taking 7.5%. Bristol City versus West Brom. I've gone for a one-all draw. Jules has gone for a Bristol City uh, win by one goal. He's gone for a 2-1 victory. I'll go 1-0 Bristol City. I'm I'm just beefing up the Mark Ashton derby. So um, I was I was kind of hoping you were going to help me out and bury Rich as the host on this <laughs> one. Start predicting 7-3 for I'm trying. Enough. But, I'm trying okay. my hardest, but with predictions in the championship, I actually decided a long while ago there's not there's not that much point. What we're going to do on my channel is get my little two-year-old daughter Enid to point at stuff and see if she can beat me in the <laughs> predictions just to prove that there's no point even trying. Brilliant. Uh, Huddersfield, Rotherham, uh, Yorkshire, Derby. Me and Jules have both gone for Huddersfield victories. I'll join you then, but I won't double up. I'll go 2-1 Huddersfield. Fair enough. Norwich Stoke, spend no time on it. Annoyingly, I've gone for a Norwich victory 2-0 at home. Jules has gone for a 1-1. Yeah, Norwich are good, aren't they? I'll go 3-1 Norwich with the player of the month, Gabriel Sara, as well. Yeah. Back on the screen because I can't remember who's coming next. (laughs) (laughs) Preston, Plymouth, we've both gone for one goal victories. I've gone 2-1 to Preston. Uh, They'll keep them top of the league, I assume. Jules has gone for a a 1-0 victory. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to double up Jules. So it's the, I'll go okay. for the master beating the apprentice and Ryan Lowe to beat Stephen Schumacher 1-0. QPR Sunderland. I found this one a strange one. I wasn't sure what to do, so I bottled it and went for a one-all draw because <laughs> QPR were, were better than I was expecting at Loftus Road. Sunderland coming off the back of that amazing Southampton victory. So I've gone one-all. Jules has gone 2-2. Yeah, I've I've got a weird fanboyness from QPR because... Um, yeah. Everyone thought they were so terrible, 4-0 down at (laughs) halftime in the first game. I'm quite enjoying them not being terrible. So I'm going to go 3-2, if that makes you happy, to QPR. Okay. Uh, We'll come back and do us right at the end, because we'll get the guys in the chat's predictions up on the screen as well. Watford, Birmingham. I've gone for a one-all draw, as has Jules. Yeah, I'll make that. I'll make that three draws, but I'll go 2-2. And you can see an interview with Birmingham City manager John Eustace on the excellent championship checking post. Podcast hosted by me. And then Cardiff Swansea, the South Wales kind of derby. I've gone for a two-all, as has Jules. I like Mike Duff, so I'm going to go emotionally and say 2-1 Swansea, not that there's much logic behind that. And then finally on Sunday, you're going to this one, aren't you? Millwall Leeds. I've I've gone for a 2-0 Leeds victory. Jules has gone for a 2-1. What say you? I agree with you. Um, And Millwall don't have a keeper, do they? I think Sarkic is injured and they sold George Long to Norwich. So we might see an ageing Bartos Bielkowski um, in goal back there. So I will double you up, seven go 2-0 to Leeds. And then we come to our, our result, obviously. So I've gone for a, uh, I think it's going to be tighter than than I would maybe expect. I've gone for a 2-1 town victory. What did Jules, what did Jules put? 2-0, I think he put at the end, didn't he? I think he's got, I think Jules, Jules, Jules a, probably about 5-0 to Ipswich, yeah. For a 2-0, uh, I've gone for a, uh, for a, a one goal win, a, a 2-1 victory. What do you think? Our record's not great, is it again? We've only won one in the last nine. The last win at Hillsborough was 2018, a Martin Waghorn double. So, well, oh, I was at that game. One of those goals was brilliant. It was like this 
rehearsed free kick where everyone ran to the near post and he bent it. It's quite deliberate as well, bent it. Yeah. Waghorn was so good for us, wasn't he, for one season? <laughs> what, what do you reckon is going to happen? I've gone for a narrow victory. Jules is more confident. Do you think I'm overthinking this by you know them being a bit buoyant by their point against Leeds, a two-week break and et cetera, et cetera? Is it going to be more straightforward than I'm perhaps thinking? No, you're not overthinking it. Um, I went... 2-2. I did Alex Griffin's thing earlier in the week just purely because there's been a couple of 2-2s and I hate us being favourites. I it's second in <laughs> second in the table. And in League One, it was it was okay because you know it's well, we've got way more money than everybody else and we're we're winning most weeks. So I will go 2-2 just for self-preservation um and my own weird mentality. Um protection um ideas there um, i think there's loads and loads of uh, predictions gone in via the chat there so um thank you everybody for indeed getting involved but now you really really need to get involved and um get your questions in so questions away seb is obviously itching to talk about the Ipswich sound ticketing system as brought up, <laughs> <laughs> as, as up at the Ipswich Town Forum um, many, many times. So you could ask him about that if you really wanted to, or we could save that for the flagship, um, Seb, couldn't we? Bef- before we go to the Q&A, let me just do a plug. We've got Tom and Ben Miller, town fans who live yes. in Sheffield. We, we met, met Tom, obviously, Arsley, after just it's... seconds, minutes after that incredible George Hurst goal. They have the uh, uh, the Nibsend Social uh, bar, bar and club in, in Sheffield. It's about half an hour away from Hillsborough. So if you're after a pre-match venue, make sure you go there. They're going to be open from 11 o'clock. Darts, table football, great selection of beers, food. Get yourself down there. If you go to www.nepsensocial.com and check out the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's all over there. But make sure you go and see those guys half an hour from the ground, uh, the best pre-match venue in uh, in Sheffield. Can you imagine if we replayed that conversation literally three minutes after George Hurst scored probably most Ipswich fans' favourite goal of the last like <laughs> fifteen years? I reckon we must we were probably just literally yelling in each other's faces and not even uh, not even knowing what we were doing. Right, get your questions in. Stick a cue before and stick a question mark after them. Uh, Seb, do we see Scarlett off the bench tomorrow? Yeah, I presume at some point he'll start to he'll start to feature. I guess he'll get his first start in the in the Carling Cup when he or the whether it's the League Cup um, against Wolves. I, I thought we might see him against Cardiff, but he only joined was it twenty four hours previously. So yeah, I, I think if you know if 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 it is Jackson um, and Freddie because Hurst and Burns are out, then I, but I, they won't last the ninety. So I, I'd expect to see Scarlett come and get some get some involvement as the second half goes on. Uh, similar theme, Skip. Uh, do you see Scarlett pushing Freddie out? after his last game, or do you think uh, he might come in for Broadhurst? Well, he played he played uh, wide left a bit for the Cowleys last season, but I think he's very much a kind of through-the-middle kind of player. That's where he wants to be. So his position is, is most similar to, uh, to to Freddie's. Freddie deserves a, a start for, you know, coming off the bench and those two goals in the in the comeback against Cardiff. So I, if, if, if both were kind of ready to go from the from the off and Hurst is out, I'd expect maybe Freddie to get the nod. But um, but, but, but Scarlett's come in. Scarlett's obviously going to have a higher ceiling. He's come through a Premier League academy. McKenna's going to know him very well. He described him as the the best one of the best young strikers in world football so this is clearly an incredibly highly rated player who will get a lot of game time for us um i just think given the given the occasion and maybe the physicality of of, of the back line of wednesday perhaps i would see maybe you know ladapo get the nod if hurst doesn't make it 
Yeah, fair comment. Uh, Norman, uh, Williams or Clark to start? You went for... Williams, Williams. yeah, I did. I just think Clark's got this Achilles issue, isn't he, which is being managed um, with Danassian back. Maybe they look to get it done, get some surgery done to get him right for the the rest of the season. He's not been at his best so far this year. You know, he wasn't great, but but, but equally he missed a lot of pre-season, so he is playing catch-up a little bit. I just think Williams has come in from Man United there's probably a hefty loan contribution going on. McKenna will know him. Um, I just think he's, he's, you know, he's come here to play games, and I think at some point he's going to get the start. I think he struggled in his first appearance, didn't he, against Leeds and then against Reading in the in the Carabao Cup, but he played that beautifully weighted pass down the line to Hutchison for the, for the third goal for the Philadapo. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he, if he starts. Yeah, I just wonder. Can I play devil's advocate? Where where if we're talking about get to Southampton in as good a position as, as possible and, and review. Do you not do you not go with the continuity of Clark knowing that Williams can come in either during the game or just take over at Southampton? Potentially, yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess whichever one it's going to be, there's no chance of Clark or Williams playing all three weeks, uh, all three games this week, are there? So there'll be some some rotation amongst them. I just think he's come to play. I think like Tuanzebe, he's, he's you know, he's he's not come here to, to to mess around. And I think once he gets in the side, he might well stick there for a bit. Um, I'll take this one, which says, Seth, <laughs> did you phone the police about ticket touts? I can confirm that that is true, that Seb has, um, on his lunch break, every day at work, phones the police to talk about um, ticket touting. And on the same note, um, question for Seb, given Ben is trying to get your get you to answer the tickets question. Are you missing Rich? I never thought I'd miss him, but yeah, I kind of <laughs> wish he was here to deflect all the ticket talk at the moment. So yeah, come back, Rich. All is, uh, all is forgiven. We, we should probably, we should probably be serious about this. The, the only yeah. reason we're we giggling. Joke. Yeah. I know. The, let's be honest. The only reason we're giggling about it is because um, over the years, we've obviously had a presence in the Ipswich town fan dialogue as ever, we've never claimed to be anything more than just fans who have this this platform. We don't know any better than anybody else. We just give our opinions and, you know, people listen because they tune into the platform and we're, we're happy to listen to anybody else's. But um, I must admit, uh, it it does get... My, my take, this is not Seb's take, this is my take, um, it does get a bit silly, doesn't yeah. it? Seb, the, um, the kind of... Quar- can I call it quarrelling or... Or bickering about all this, is is there a serious point underneath all the dialogue? And answer me in the chat here: Are you genu- genuinely affronted by uh, people sharing ticket accounts and buying a ticket and passing it on to someone to get the points? Is there a serious issue here that people should be have a right to be cross about? I can understand people getting upset because people are effectively jumping ahead in the priority system, aren't they? That's what's that's what's going on. You know, you have no somebody one likes who's got a jumper. Yeah, somebody's got four points and they don't qualify until a week after tickets go on sale. Someone with twenty-eight points buys a ticket on day two and looks to to flog it online to somebody who doesn't qualify but can then go to the game. Then there's a whole other piece in there around you can't you know you don't know who you're selling the ticket to, so there could be issues with banning orders I've seen online and you know if 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 there's abuse that goes on and that ticket's been sold on, how do the police track the person? You know, it's 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 a bit of a minefield, a bit of a mess, isn't it? The club clearly have had to act on it. They mentioned it last night. They were approached by the police, not from my phone calls despite what Ben says I'm, <laughs> I'm doing on my lunch hour um, so they've had to act on it and we have this ticketing policy about to come out I guess we'll all be reading it 
you know, in, we'll all be reading it, studying it, and making sure we don't fall foul of the of the rules. And I just think that you know, people swapping tickets has gone on for years. It's only an issue now because we're good. Let's be honest. Four years ago, nobody wanted to swap oh, a ticket to go. Honestly, I've got I've got a season ticket, and if I can't make a game, I'm more than happy to let somebody else sit in and my that's seat. What I do. You know what I mean? That's yeah, exactly what I, I do. Yeah, I don't ask for money for it. I'm happy for it to go out or, or go back to the foundation or whatever. And it sounds like the club are going to bring something in in an official capacity to allow people to resell tickets or swap tickets out or something. And when that comes in, hopefully this will all go away. But yeah, the the bickering, the quarrelling, some of the stuff on on social media is just a bit out of proportion, over the top for me personally. Um, Everyone wait for the ticket policy to come out, read it. If you're still not out, well, no one's ever going to be happy, but this is the world we live in now. You know, we're run by smarter people. We we can't have it both ways. We can't demand success and new shiny players coming in and then not accept some of the priority systems and rules that are going to have to be enforced to pay for this and manage expectations. So nothing is ever perfect. The club won't always get it right. I liked the idea last night. A guy said, can people in the, earlier in the queue buy a ticket hold it and then allocate the seat when their mates become available. I want to go to Huddersfield in two weeks' time, but I'm hanging on until next week because two of my mates don't qualify until I think it's Tuesday. So I don't want to buy a ticket, sit on my own when they can sit, when I can wait a few days and, and sit with them. So it sounds like it's an evolving piece the club are working on. I'd expect to see a lot of changes, but when the ticketing policy comes out, just just read about it. And if you do see stuff going on online, this is just the world we live in and you know, sometimes it's easier just to look at things online and just say, just don't be a dick about it. One of my Sheffield United mates once got me a ticket for a very high profile Sheffield United game in the away end as well. And there was a whole thread about me on a Sheffield United <laughs> forum having a go at <laughs> What is this Ipswich idiot doing in our in our <laughs> stadium? Um, new training facilities. Will they be at Playford Road or is it somewhere new, Charlie? Well, there was discussion, wasn't it, about moving it? And I think Copdock is the logical place, given the A12, and it's you know you could see it as you approach the uh, uh, approach the, the the town, and you get that branch into Essex for you know more of a talent kind of pool. I don't think it'll be moved in the immediate future. There were some plans I think I saw around earlier. I don't know if they were online, if they're genuine or not, but I, I assume for now it'll be it'll be Playford Road, and maybe look to open a, a secondary site with maybe an academy type thing, maybe more in the, the Copdock A12 kind of area. Uh, Colin, would you play Hutchison on Saturday? I would. I was impressed with him when he came on against Cardiff. I thought he'd kind of stopped that whole, you know, in the first few games, if someone laid a finger on him, he went down very easily because he's come from a, you know, a Premier League kind of side and that's the way things work there if you haven't played any kind of real senior men's football. So I was impressed with him. But for me, if, if, if Burns is out, put Jackson in that role because his pace was superb against them last season. McKenna trusts him in big games. He, we he know fo- that he, he follows. Be- he follows the instructions, doesn't he, Jackson? He does, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what he'll do. He'll track back all day. He'll work incredibly hard for the team. He'll cause problems with that pace. And um, I just think maybe also, if it wasn't Sheffield Wednesday away, you know, that it can be quite an imposing place. We saw it last season. You know, things were being thrown at the officials and there was the the call went out to say that the game would be abandoned if it went on. I just think for a young kid who's played, what, an hour so far across five games maybe of, of senior men's football, that's a big ask to throw him straight into a, uh, a bit of a cauldron. Noisy bunch up there. Um, David, how good is Broadhead, Ben? I see him being a premiership player, total class, ball sticks to him, and he's Welsh. Is that the the key point? Um, I think, uh, was it Jack in our Telegram made a really good point. He said, if we're able to get players at this point, there's always going to be a question mark. So the question mark on Broadhead was that he was injured a lot for for Sunderland, wasn't he? And um, I spoke to... 
Graham Falk on um, podcast for Sunderland. He said they loved him, but it was just the um, the injury things. And, um, you know, I get very militant trying to defend players about the idea of being injury prone. I think I think that's unfair a lot of the time. It's just rank bad luck that players get injured, especially with impact and tackles and things of that nature. But I agree with the questioner. Um, I think he's brilliant. And if we... If we're the when Sheffield United got McGoldrick and he was just fit all the time, if we're if we're the Sheffield United to um, to Sunderland as as they were to us, I've explained that badly. Then I think he's class, yeah, yeah. and um, it's a lovely setup for him as well, isn't it? Playing you know inside forward off the front, he's already up there on the goal contribs, isn't he? He's um, yeah, three eight. goals so far and one assist, I think. Yeah, so I think there's. Three or four players. I tweeted it earlier, actually. Three or four players on five goal contribs and um, Broadhead's right in there. So, yeah. yeah, hopefully if we get... Well, I mean, you give me a number, Seb. 34 games out of him. Be is delighted. That, is that 15 goal contributions, maybe? At least I would think so. If he's on four or five already after, you know, five games, then yeah, absolutely. If you, our, our medical team now is just light and day from where it was, isn't it? And that's the big hope about Twan Zabi as well. You know, we've signed these injury-prone players. In the old days, we wouldn't have seen them for, you know, Emma Hughes, for example, Tommy Adeyemi, we might not have seen them for a, uh, for a, for a few weeks at a time. But, but even when they suffer injuries now, they seem to come back pretty quickly and they get up to speed incredibly quickly as well because of the ferocity at which McKenna kind of, uh, kind of trains and stuff. So yeah, I think he's an absolute class player. And if we can get 35, 36, 37 games out of him, I'd expect, yeah, 15, 16, 17 goal contributions. I always end up paraphrasing Norman. I think he hates it. I always like, twist all his questions up. But he says, who will be our first choice back for come December? I'm assuming he's anticipating potentially three different players in there. If one of them's Walton, one of them's Williams, and one of them's two and Zabie. Do you think that's the nature of his question there? I think so, yeah. I mean, the Hlaggy-Walton debate will start pretty soon. So if we assume Walton gets the shirt back, Williams, like I've said, I think has come into play. So I expect him to be the the right back moving forward and that will allow maybe Clark to go and get his Achilles sorted out. Wolfenden and Twan Zabi could be a brilliant partnership given they would tick all the boxes of athleticism, power, reading of the of the game. You know, Burgess has done brilliantly, but Twan Zabi is a next level up. And obviously Leif Davis, you know, is, is going to be the, the left back, no questions asked. Um, Nat, one of our Sheffield Wednesday friends, how's Luongo playing this season? He's having a lovely time being he's chaperoned carried, by Sam Morsi. <laughs> yeah, he's just carried on as he was, hasn't he? You know, he came in just after that Sheffield Wednesday two-all draw back in February, didn't look back. He had this crazy record where he'd won every game he'd featured in for quite a long time. He's only had one defeat, and they, the two of them have just kept going. He's been subbed a few times. There've been a couple of games where maybe he wasn't as effective as he was last season, but I guess when you're up against, you know, Archie Gray and Ethan Ampadu, it's very different to being up against with all due respect, Morecambe central midfield. So that's a natural part of the, of the step up, but he's coming really well. Taylor is pushing on the door, but for now it's Luongo and Morsley's shirts to lose. Bosh. I think we're nearly there. One more. Um, Anir, um, biggest saleable asset in the squad for the future. At this point, it has to be Leif Davis, doesn't he, at the moment? You know, he's got the numbers from last season. He's stepped up effortlessly and started this season well. But if what we just said happens, if if if, if we get 40 games out of Broadhead and he's got 17 goal contributions, then he'll be, he'll be up there as well. But as it stands at the minute, I would expect it to be Davis. 
there's always the premium for English and left footed as well, isn't yes. there? Yeah, exactly. Marco Bielsa's school of training as well that would come into effect. So yeah, I could I could see him. I could see him being the one next season. If we have to start doing player trading, if somebody knocks on Ashton's door with twenty two million quid, then oh, you know, yeah. Seb, we need we need to get real about it. There's no if. Oh yeah, we, no, we yeah. you know it, it, there is a we have to we have to trade given what we think, even though the spend on infrastructure's been good, and we'll. Maybe we won't look forward to the accounts, but we'll be very fascinated in the accounts for last season, which, um, you know, we can't write off. We did the bit with Kieran Maguire um, for the Telegram group. There's there's a a bit of a sense that you go, oh, League One's League One, but it's not. It does all roll forward into the the three-year period, obviously under under kind of different um, sort of standards. But, yeah, um, and... I would still count that as success if you're going from. Oh yeah. Um, if you're going from League One second place, which is what forty six yep. in the pyramid, it's exactly halfway in the pyramid. To say you finish in the top ten to thirty in the pyramid, plus you make bank on a big saleable asset, which we haven't done since. If you don't count the Waghorn five million, we haven't done since Tyrone Mings. Then. I actually count that as success as much as I would like Leif Davis to be our player for ages, Seb. <laughs> I agree, yeah. And it's how we did it back in 1999, 2000, isn't it? You know, Kieran Dye goes out and it enables us to bring in three quali- three or four quality players to enhance the squad. And it's the world we live in. It's the only way we're going to be able to compete against the parachute club. So, yeah, you know, we, Tariko, we enjoy... Tony Vaughan, yeah. you know, Steve Sedgley. Exactly. Before yeah. that, it was... Enjoy yeah. them while we're here, but we are in a different world now to the previous ownership and stuff, and we have to accept that our our place in the in the food chain, sometimes bigger boys will come along and, and steal the shiny things. Cool. Are you at the game on Saturday? I'm not. No, I am down in London celebrating a certain member of the podcast's milestone oh. birthday. So, um, yeah, I'm going down to London. We've got a few of us going down with Rich to to celebrate his birthday. It's, it's all our old schoolmates. So very much looking forward to that, which is frustrating because I, I, I normally do love going to Sheffield Wednesday. It's one of my favourite away days, but he, he selfishly booked his birthday 40 years ago uh, for the same <laughs> for the same weekend. So there we go. I, lo- I love the way you started off by not outing who it was and what the birthday was. And you lasted about 15 seconds before you just spilled the beans um yeah i've got my bloody sister's birthday at the weekend as well so i'm not i'm not at the game either so um yeah apologies apologies for that but don't worry we'll still have a wonderful um flagship show on sunday which you can join us for at um 8 p.m hopefully oh wouldn't it be great seb so a win that would be what we got 12 points out of 15, 15 points 15 points out of eight yeah. Mental, six games it? yeah yeah two two points you have to get the extrapolator back out from all those years ago and work the, out what we're going to mate the extrapolator on. doesn't go that high well that's like 100 <laughs> 115 points or something <laughs> and obviously we've got southampton in the week we'll yeah and then follow up with blackburn next weekend so yeah here it comes thick and fast now for the next few weeks yes and it's a it's a neat blob of games isn't it it's six rounds and as you mentioned, there's the back to back to back to back to back. If you factor yeah. in the Wolves game, which I think we all understand is going to be somewhat of a friendly, isn't it? So, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Before you go, if you're watching on YouTube, please do hit the thumbs up button. A huge thank you for all of your comments and all your interaction throughout the show. Absolutely brilliant stuff. If you want to keep the conversation going, come and join us over on Telegram. Um, you can have a two-week free trial there. Just ask, tweet any of the pod team and we'll answer you. But it's bloomandoitfc.co.uk. And as ever, you can see below me right there, 
the pre-match show is brought to you by the Greyhound Ipswich, where you will find certain members of the pod team every day with their little ticket booth, <laughs> dishing out tickets for a That doesn't happen. Brilliant. That, that absolutely does not happen. Do not I'm going to ring bit. the police. I'm going to ring the police. <laughs> oh, dear. This joke has gone far too far now, hasn't it? Um, but yes, go to the Greyhound, where no nefarious activities go whatsoever. <laughs> it's just a lovely, um, lovely place that will sell you booze and give you a lovely atmosphere to drink it. And you buy some food as well. Have I, have I dug myself out of that, Seb? Just about. I think you've pulled it back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the plane was nosediving yeah, there. Yeah. I just pulled it out of the light. I didn't pull it out, did I, dearie me? Um, shocking. Right, thank you, every everybody. If you are on your way to um, Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend, safe travels. If you're on the way to Sheffield Wednesday right now and you are in the car listening to us, give your horn. No, don't beep your horn. That's not legal. Either. What am I no, doing? Send, send us a selfie from Tom and Ben's bar. Do <laughs> yes, that. Yes, do that. And yeah. um, send a picture of the little dashboard that says Blue Monday podcast on it. Um, absolutely tremendous. Um, last word to you, Seb. Enjoy, everyone. See you next week. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.